Yeah, that was like pretty. Better. That was pretty. It was if I closed my eyes, I saw the glasses and the curly hair. Well, I do wear uh, glasses. I'm so yeah. You're halfway person. there. So and you're both so, tall, so it it all works out. <laughs> so as you guys all know, my name is Monty. I am the catering, the shea butter, and I am here with one of my bosses, director, <laughs> yes. awesome brother. Me. Matt. Yeah. Hi, Monty. I, I, I'm your director, Matt. Um, this, as you can see, we don't have Ben. Uh, ben, Ben gave us a beautiful little bonus episode this week talking about AEW Dark with his beautiful wife Rebecca. So please go and give that a listen too if you like wrestling. If you don't, listen to it anyway. It might be interesting to you. Yeah. Um, but this week, uh, me and Monty are here for a little bit of that Triple M magic. Now, typically. Triple M means Matt, Monty, and movies. But this week, it's going to stand for Matt, Monty, and murder. Because we're going to talk about some true crime today. Uh, We're going to get into some of our favorite uh, true crime podcasts, some of our favorite true crime movies. Um, In addition to two uh, cases that Monty and I both want to talk about, two ever-present and current mysteries are, are events that are happening around the world so we're gonna we're gonna dive into it but before we go into those we, we kind of want to talk about uh monty and i's own relationship to true crime uh when we did our uh interview with the um host of the asian madness podcast um jessica. we touched on uh yeah jessica, jessica from the, shout out to uh, jessica yeah shout out um when we did our episode, we touched briefly on kind of both of our origins into the true crime scene. But when we were getting ready for today, we, we realized that we had never really fully dove into either of our true crime pasts. Um, so, Monty, uh, yeah. kind of t- tell, tell me how you got started with true crime. What led you what led you to it? And like where what are your like your mainstays, like the things that really captured your interest? You know what I, I got. I'll be honest. I, I wasn't a big one until I met my wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was very big into like all the crime shows, and and I, I dabbled a little bit. Like you know your your CSI Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know like uh, what's the other one? NCIS uh, Criminal NCIS, Minds. NCIS Criminal Minds. Like she's she is a big one. She got me into Criminal Minds about and and. and that actually led me into my fascination about it is, you know, like the whole idea of um, profiling and, and all that stuff. Um, so, you know, I, there is a book that I really liked is uh, Mindhunter. They did oh, yeah. turn it, uh, Dave Fincher turned it into a television show on Netflix. Uh, unfortunately, he stopped after season two. I hope he does come back and finish it up because Season also, one was amazing. Oh, I, I yeah. loved it. Yeah. And yeah, the, I, I read the book first a while okay. back uh, uh, by Johnny e. Douglas, I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, no, it's like really interesting. So to answer your question, I what I find out fascinating about these crime stories is not only, you know, you learn about it because it's part of our history, but it's also, you know, trying to see it, what goes on in the minds of these serial killers these mm-hmm. criminals and stuff like that like how do they think how do they see things and and you know what what was their background like and everything so that's yeah. how I, I, I that's what really fascinates me about them it's not about how brutal the crimes were i mean mm-hmm. that's a small part but it's just re- the big fascination is just you know how, why do they do it and how, how do they see it and how can they be how can they do something like that without you know like remorse yeah exactly yeah Yeah. they they do it and out of enjoyment and and stuff like that like yeah i think i think part of it for me too is because of our i mean i know because of my deep um horror love and like love of horror films and love of horror films since a little kid it Mm kind of became inevitable that eventually i'd want to learn about the real stuff yeah you know you can watch jason and freddie kill you know 150 um college co-eds but reading about someone like ted bundy or or john wayne gacy uh, really puts things into perspective and 
I think is interesting because when we create those characters in fiction and in stories, we base them off of things that humans are really capable of doing. Because yes. um, and I remember one of the things that really led me into true crime personally when I was young uh, was when I first saw Science of the Lambs. Oh yeah, I, I remember Classic. watching that with my mom and my dad, and my mom was like viscerally freaked the fuck out from the movie, like terror to this day. Like if you say like "Hello, Clarice," she freaks out. Um, it's like uh, very twisted, like yeah. for something that you know. If, it was one of the early crime films I was introduced to. It really, it just really messes with your head. Like, well, and it feels it's because I think part of that is because it feels completely realistic. Because the people that the story is based off of are are real people. Like Buffalo yeah. Bill's character in the movie is basically just Ed Gein. He even yes. kind of looks yeah. like Ed Gein. And I, because and what I found out when I was a little kid was watching that movie and my mom getting so freaked out and my dad and i were like this is a good movie um and realizing like part of the reason it freaked my mom out so much is because ed Gein was from wisconsin and i live in uh the illinois in illinois in the chicago area and we used to go up to northern wisconsin all the time and the town lacrosse where ed Gein is a, was was in and around is an area we used to drive by all the time Oh, and shoot. when my mom was like, t- like a little kid or a teenager, she remembers driving through the area and hearing about Ed Gein and it like always scared the shit out of her. So when I was a little kid and watched this movie and loved it, like I watched it so many times, I like, I eventually wanted to know, okay, who are the real people this is based off of? Like, who are the ones like, what, what did Ed Gein actually do? You know, like, yeah. like how much did he love his mother, right? And, and, and to add to you, what you were saying, like, horror movie-wise, I first heard about Ed Gein um, after watching some behind-the-scene um, documentary made about the making of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, yeah. And it's also, you know, inspired by that. And don't forget... Uh, Alfred Hitchcock's uh, Psycho was kind of partially inspired by that because again, and his mom never got along. And I heard even to this to the day of his arrest, his mom's old bedroom was also locked. Like he was just terrified of her, even after yeah. she's wearing her skin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't think so. yeah, I didn't see that, but yeah, yeah. yeah. And and for <clears throat> me, for me, what what really spawned it from there was partially my wife too, because she also loves and probably watches much more true crime content than I do. Um, but the thing that really got me into it, that really kind of sent me down the deep, deep path, uh, was the last podcast on the left. Um, I've been mm-hmm. a, a proud and, and an adamant supporter of them for a very long time. And their material and their coverage of both the esoteric and conspiracy, but their coverage of true crime um, was something that really kind of motivated me to keep diving into it and, and maintained a lot of my current interest in some of the more macabre and interesting stories around the world. And I think it crime to me has always been crime and like illegality and murder and all this really yeah. kind of gives you a lens into what humans are really doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and like it was it was crazy cuz when I when I came back to the city of Chicago for college, um I was driving around the city the whole time and this was when I was really getting into true crime was like in my in high school and in, in the my beginning of college and I decided to read the book Defending a Monster, um which is the book written by John Wayne Gacy's lawyer. Oh, and, oh I think I've heard about it. It's a it's from his perspective, right? Yeah, it's written yeah. by it's written by him, like Sam, um, Sam, Sam L. Amarante and David Broderick are the two writers of the text, and it follows like him working with with uh, with John Wayne Gacy because he was the one who was helping him, or not helping him, but he was his lawyer defending him. Yeah, yeah defending yeah. him. And it was crazy because I started when I was reading that book, I was driving around Chicago in my car, like listening to the audiobook. And it would be like, and John Wayne Gacy drove down Wabash Avenue. And I'm like, I'm fucking driving on Wabash. Or Did you it's ever like, go or, check out the property? Like, oh, I yeah. know you're in Chicago. And- I mean, the, the property's been <clears throat> like destroyed. Like, it's not oh. there. Like, it's just like a bl- empty field now or like a, uh, it's like a, just a place in a residential a neighborhood. Cause they like, yeah, completely oh. just like tore everything out to its foundations. Oh, they excavated okay. the entire house. It's gone. 
But I've been to where the house is, and I actually had a college professor Mm -hmm. uh, who was living in in the city, and he was like an openly queer man at the time, living in the city during John Wayne Gacy's like reign of terror. Yeah. And he he was he was telling me one day during class how like everyone knew, you know, like oh. everyone knew about Big John and like how scary he was. Like before he was arrested. Yeah, or? before oh. he was arrested, they didn't. I mean, they might. I I don't know if he knew the name John Wayne Gacy, but they knew about this guy mm-hmm. who would like like young gay men and and boys who just disappear after they met or worked with this this guy. Oh shit! And and reading that book while like being in the city really kind of turned it up to like, you know, the tenth degree with level of my interest. And then, you know and then it's like speaking of Chicago, like mm-hmm. you, your city, like you guys have some, like very uh, like a. There's another famous serial killer, H. H. Holmes, right? Oh yeah, like we the, one were, of the first, right? We have well, because yeah, we have H. H. Holmes, we have Gacy. Um, uh, we have a bunch of mobsters who killed a thousand, hundreds of people. Yeah, the val- um, Valentine's Day massacre. massacre. Yeah, and all of the yeah. all of the crime related to gang and um, just like normal violence in the city. And then we have, and we're also really close to all of the Wisconsin killers. They're just north of the border from us. You know, we're a pretty <laughs> northern state, so we 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 kind of also, you know, he never really spent time in Chicago. Yeah. But uh, I still give us Dahmer. You know, he's in the metropolitan area. Oh, um, yeah. Shit. You know, but, we, like, it's like there's a lot of history about that. Like, the the Valentine's Day Massacre site is, like, I try, when I was visiting Chicago, I, mm-hmm. I was trying to look for it. I don't know where it is, but I hear the building, the structure is still there. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah. yeah. We we actually have a, um, a piece of um, – Oh my gosh! You have uh, one? Uh, what's his name? Hold on, one of I'm trying to remember the name of the of the uh, mob boss uh, of Al, Cap- Al, Capone? Al Capone had a yeah. had a, a beautiful mansion in the city at one point, and oh. um, it was famous because it had these like 27 um, like facades on the outside of like they're like the heads of lions, um, oh. and I have we my family and I have two of them from the original house. What? How did you yeah. guys get that? <laughs> we 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 found them through a dealer of artifacts. Oh snap! Um, and yeah, they're oh, authentic. They're authenticated, so they're real. Um, like, and they're 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 from they're they're part of the stone facade of the out exterior of his home. Um, I so, just like, googled his house is still around. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, part. Well, he had like multiple. There's a, oh. a lot of a lot of Chicago history is actually pretty well preserved, unless it got burnt down in a fire. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and I, I also another another lens into true crime in Florida was there's a very famous um, Chicago um, uh, mobster who actually has a, a Johnny Depp movie made about him um, called Public Enemy. Yeah, um, yes, which yeah. tells the story of why of John Dillinger. Um, it's not. I don't love the movie because it's two hours and 20 minutes too long and it's a two hour and 20 minute movie it's a slow um, burn but i found it it's it's, it's in, good enjoyable. Yeah. yeah but yeah. it's it's crazy because the you know how so if you've seen if you've for those who haven't seen it um you know john dillinger's a famous uh chicago gangster and bank robber um was was robbing banks all over the world and he is the person that after a big heist he escaped to northern Wisconsin. I mean, like northern, northern Wisconsin, yeah. hoping that he'd avoid the cops because there used to be a law in the, in the United States where cops couldn't chase you over state borders because it was that state's problem. Um, mm. and, and his crimes were so bad and so public that that partially led to that law being changed so they could chase him into Wisconsin. And that's where you see this um, incredible massive shootout that happened at that restaurant up in northern wisconsin right if you've seen it he goes to a place called little bohemia inn which Mm -hmm. uh is a restaurant i've been eating at and place i've been going since i was a baby holy shoot (laughs) i've like i've held the real john dillinger's toothpaste you know like because they used to have all they have all the stuff that he left there like in a display case and there's a big big shout to little bohemia up in vilas county wisconsin 
um <laughs> go, go go give them a, a visit um great food great duck on saturdays um but it's i grew up going there and so like that kind of led me into this um fascination with true crime and that was kind of my lens and a big part of that was the last podcast but just all of those different um early childhood likes and so one of the things we wanted to also talk about today before we get to our main stories is some of our Mm -hmm. favorite um true crime films um and some mm-hmm. of our favorite true crime stories that we've we've encountered i've talked about a or few inspired of crime stories yeah inspired by yeah, yeah or, so, crime, or crime film in general yeah yeah so monty what do, do you have like a like a number one or number two like what, what are some of your favorite crime films or series or anything I like know that i mentioned this and i'm sure a lot of our listeners have heard about this many times um but my favorite ones are like it either has uh okay for today i would just say my favorite one of all time is seven i love seven because of how it's shot it's david fincher it's done in a neo-noir style i know you and ben have your opinions on it (laughs) i was gonna i was gearing up i I was getting ready (laughs) (laughs) no 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 but you have to understand this for my time when it first came out like when the trailer was when i saw the trailer the first time i still remember it it was really creepy it was really dark and then you can tell you know you start hearing your friends that have gone and seen it or have seen it they're like Mm -hmm. oh my god it scared the crap out of me because for that time like you know the 90s it was it was one of the bigger films that david fincher and it kind of is one of the films that put david fincher on the map definitely yeah um, especially for the big audience yeah and i i really do like that one but but there is one horror movie that i gotta put on here it's Mm -hmm. an asian film it is based on a true story it's uh and i told you one day we'll watch it together vampire no, <laughs> no we gotta, it's beyond that. So this story is called The Untold Story. Um, oh. It's actually based on, um, on uh, uh, one of the most heinous crimes um, that ever took place in um, Macau. And where where is, is Macau? Macau is like very close to Hong Kong. It's okay. like... It's like its own little little hub, little city. Uh, it is known as the Vegas of Asia. Oh, cool. Because uh, okay. they're known for their casino. Beautiful place. Mm-hmm. Um, it was ruled by the Portuguese. And, oh, you know, what? if you ever get a chance to go there, Matt, and I know you yeah. love to absorb the history, the architecture oh, yeah. and everything. Definitely. It's very interesting to watch, like, an Asian city, but the design, mm-hmm. the architecture – it's beautiful. It's like it's got that Portuguese touch to it mm-hmm. on top of it. But the movie uh, was one of the movies I, I saw as a kid that I found out. And this was during the 90s where, you know, where we talked about in the past where action movies were at its peak. But also this movie uh, uh, starring Anthony Wong, very famous. If you look him up, you'll probably recognize him in some of uh, some to very few American films. He, he's a very, very talented actor. Um, and he actually won the best actor um, oh, shit. Okay. In, in, for this film, uh, for portraying the, the killer. And uh, where am I going with this? Yeah, like this is one of the films that also started, spawned um, a lot of Hong Kong, uh, you know, like or Asian uh, true crime story started to come up okay. like the uh there is uh this this one like the hello kitty murders they they turned that into a movie yeah. uh and and all, all sorts there's one that i it's on the tip of my tongue but i don't know what the direct translation of the uh, authentic title but anyways the story about the un, untold story is and, and matt i know you love chinese food you love dim sum yeah, I do. I'm a big fan. <laughs> do you love barbecue pork buns? Yeah. Oh, fuck uh, yeah. <laughs> so the story kind of leads into that. The the sh- long and short of this is that there is a guy that worked at this restaurant <clears throat> for that's owned by this family. Mm-hmm. And uh, apparently over a dispute over a, a, a gambling 
uh, Mahjong game. Mm-hmm. Like he he yeah. he won the Mahjong game where he said that, hey, you know what? If you know, I, I wager you your restaurant. If you lose this Mahjong game, I get to take your restaurant. Oh shit! Okay. And he won the game, but um, the owner started to you know back out. He's like, are you kidding me? I thought it was just a joke. Blah blah blah. blah. So this huge uh, something big goes on and. Um, they get into a huge fight, and he ends up killing the the owner of the restaurant, his oh, wife, shit. and three kids. And what? what whoa, okay. <laughs> yeah. Went a little and, far there, buddy. Yeah, and no, it's not the worst part. How he disposes of the body mm. is he actually spent the knife because he's also the the chef at this restaurant. Oh, he, okay. You know, disemboweled the bodies, you know. Cooked yeah. the meat and made Sweeney them into them. barbecue, yeah, barbecue pork butts. And oh, so, oh fuck, yeah, man, I would have killed to eat one of those. <laughs> like, even, it, it was enough. like it, the it's it's directed by Herman Lau, uh, her Herman, sure. sorry, Herman Yao, um, and he is one of those directors in Hong Kong that I really enjoy. Is that he can put. He can he can make it so gruesome, which a lot of like um, Hong Kong directors they tend not to go so far down that path. Like you'll see martial art movies, you'll see you'll see some action movies, and they have some br- sort of brutality. But okay. Herman's through Herman's lens, he has a way of pushing that boundary. And I think uh, of all the Hong Kong movies I've seen, he is the only director that I know that he is. You know he. If you are watching something violent that he makes, mind you, he doesn't only make you know violent, yeah, violent movies. movies. He, he he does other genres, but when he gets in, gets his hands on them, he really goes into it hard. And I've I've, I've actually seen one of his movies. It's he the oh. uh, Ip Man, the Final Fight, the 2013 Ip Man movie. <laughs> that's yeah. one of his, and I've that's, yeah, he, I've seen that. That was good. I've seen so, all of those. So the guy that plays Ip Man is Anthony Anthony Wong. And oh he, shit! He hey. plays the serial killer in, in, in this one. Well, not oh, really okay. a serial killer, but he, he plays the killer in this this movie. And he he and uh, Herman Yao always teamed up to to okay. make really great films. Um, but yeah, no, this movie when I first watched it, oh my god, it freaked the crap out of me as a kid. Like it's just like, oh, how do you, you know, get it like how can you become this crazy person? And, you know, like then yeah, the, this, mind you, it's also the first time I heard of, you know, turning, you Humans know, your victims into buns. Right? So <laughs> yeah. It, it, it terrified. Yeah. It's, it's one of those ones up there that, yeah. If you are interested in, in, in watching the story, how this crime goes out, it, it's really, really messed up. And, and at the, I'm not spoiling anything cause you can wiki it. But yeah. they did catch him, but unfortunately, the the ending of the story is that they weren't able to convict him because he was uh, he committed suicide in prison before oh, the trial took bitch. place. And his apparently his last dying words were, "You'll never convict convict me in a court of law." Dude, like, what he a gangster! Would rather take his life into I his mean, own hands. Total and, pussy for killing himself. But what a gangster! The way he line. did it was he, you know, back in the day they had those rip top pop cans. Yeah. Uh, so <gasps> he took that and then he slashed himself in the middle of the night. Holy and shit! And the way he did it That's was being, because he tried to commit suicide before mm-hmm. once by not slashing his wrist but biting his wrist into the the vital vein to pop. Uh, but they saved him in time. Um, they bro- took him. The, the cops uh, saw him do this and took him to the hospital. So they they healed him. But in order to do it the final time, like he just wants to die, yeah, he's just trying. <laughs> he actually stacked his uh, his bed, his prison bed, with a lot of pillows because it was a bunk bed system yeah. where you're in a room full of uh, all these other criminals. Oh and yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah, yeah. He did not want anyone to save him, so. He slashes wrist in the middle of the night, and the pillows would catch all, soak up the bloods until oh, morning. Oh, no one would know he they was bleeding out. They wouldn't notice. Yeah, he's bleeding out. Yeah. Brutal. Yeah. Well, that is a that's a story, a whole other story for another time, because we'll have to watch that movie and tell the full story. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But 
some of my some of my favorite like crime slash true crime films that I watched as a kid and as an adult. Um, some of the easier ones are like a film like Foxcatcher, which is just like a beautiful story. Um, I liked the recent adaptation of uh, Ted Bundy's life and Extremely Wicked, Extremely Wicked, Shockingly I Evil, seen and Vile. How, how would you say his uh, his performance, Zach Efron's performance? He he did a good job, and I think it made people uncomfortable how charming he was, and that's mm-hmm. how charming Ted Bundy was. Well, he was, uh, yeah, yeah, he yeah. was incredibly charming. It's one of my favorite books of all time is Anne Rule's The Stranger Beside Me, um, mm-hmm. which is a fascinating story, but. Um, that was good. Some of my favorites from before, again, I really like the more, not necessarily serial killer, uh, true crime, but I'm a big, big fan of like finance, not necessarily financial, but like corporate and governmental crime. So Mm -hmm. two of my favorites were Wolf of Wall Street, um, which is a fantastic movie, deserved everything it got. But one of my true favorites, even from when I was a younger kid was Lord of War, um, the Nicolas Cage movie about an arms dealer. (laughs) Yeah, I saw that. The thing that actually makes Lord of the War so interesting is the fact that the character that Nicolas Cage is portraying is based on the famous Russians arm dealer, Victor Bout. And this actually leads us interestingly into my, uh, main story of the week. Mm. Um, so Victor Bout was just recently released from, uh, us prison back to Russia, um, in a in a political prisoner exchange for Brittany Griner, uh, the WNBA star who was arrested in Russia for possessing cannabis, um, and it's 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 interesting because you know we 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 did we traded someone so important, you know mm-hmm. Victor Bout in, in all intensive purposes and, and according to a lot of news media that I've I've read, um, is incredibly powerful. And a lot of his early days in work and a lot of his early uh, arms running and dealers were based in Ukraine. Um, And so people are really concerned about this guy getting released and getting released back and how important um, getting this person back was. But when I, as I was researching that, I came across another U.S. citizen, a, uh, Mm -hmm. a U.S. citizen who's currently in prison in Russia and is trying and has been spending the last four years uh, attempting to get released. Um, and his family is it was kind of upset about Brittany getting released for Victor Bout, thinking that you know Paul was well worth it. Um, now this 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 individual this this citizen is named Paul Wellen. Now Paul Wellen is a Canadian-born former U.S. States Marine who also holds four different citizenships. He has U.S., British, Irish, and Canadian citizenship. And what I, I became very interested in this man um, because, you know, I saw his name in an article and I'm like, oh, who's this guy? Um, Because it was talking about Victor Bout and, you know, and other U.S. citizens who are currently trapped in Russia. And there is a very complex story to be told here about this man and and this is not necessarily the place and time to go fully into it Mm -hmm. um but i wanted to kind of introduce this this case to you monty and for your own research and for those out in the wild world because we're going to come back to this one um so i think his life is really interesting because his his wikipedia page in addition to a lot of his other documentations have a lot of like misinformation or like un un exact uh details so Mm. the the story is is that you know when he was young he was a uh u.s marine he grew up in uh in chelsea michigan um and where he became a sheriff deputy um now he (laughs) says that he was a a deputy and a sheriff and then the chelsea police then told everyone that actually no he worked in a much lesser role and was part-time um the years he claimed he worked there also um uh, disagreed on by the the patrol office that he apparently worked for. Um, he then became a security manager for IT for a security and staffing company before and, and in between all of this, he served six tours in Iraq and in a, as an administrative clerk. Oh, and shit. and right. eventually he was he wasn't he wasn't dishonorably discharged. But he was he had a bad conduct discharge for grand larceny. 
um, attempting to steal thousands of dollars and cash a bunch of false checks and fraudulent checks using other well, he, people's social security numbers while he was in the Marines. Yeah. Holy. So, <laughs> so he, th- then he goes on to become the director of a global and security investment firm, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, I don't know how you get to there from where you were. Um, And then he was arrested in Russia while he was on his way um, to what is reported by him as his family and others. He was going to a wedding of a a former fellow Marine who was having his wedding in Moscow. (laughs) And I, I don't know. There's something about this whole case and about him as a character and him and his story that makes me think there's a lot more there. Now, do I think that Paul is a spy for the United States? Not necessarily. Um, he says that he was framed by someone who slipped a USB drive into his pocket containing sensitive information. And mm. there's a lot of conjecture online, depending on where you go, about whether he actually was there to commit espionage or not. Or, And I, and I can't say. You know, I my... Personal opinion is I think he might have been doing a lot more than just going to visit a friend. Um, you know, when, when I, I'm not a member of the intelligence community or by any stretch of the imagination, but when you see a person, an ex-Marine, works in the security industry, f- has four different citizenships around the world, and is arrested specifically for spying and gaining sensitive information... I don't, you know, I don't, I I definitely think they should get him out of prison in Russia, but man, is it a confusing case to be. And Russia is really holding off and they, they have demanded a specific person, uh, be released. Um, they specifically want the release of Vadim Krosikov, who is a Russian assassin, uh, who worked for the FSB, who is famous uh, for um being a assa- for assassinating Zalim Karashkavila, who was a uh a Chechen and Georgian uh military general and soldier, um who he like killed in public in Germany, um <laughs> and after he was arrested, he was eventually um extradited to the United States, um. And Russia and the United, I mean, Germany and the United States are refusing to release this guy. And they, the only thing that Russia keeps like asking for is him. Oh my gosh. And so there's a very complicated case going on. They, they want, they want, they, the Russian people, uh, the, the Russian government, from what I have heard, believes that, that Paul Wellen constitutes a man who has great value um implying that he has access to or learned like some very impactful and serious information worthy enough of you know keeping him you know sequestered in russian prison for 16 to 20 years um and who knows what they're making him do because russian prisons are notoriously brutal um, and there's a famous photo of Paul when he was on trial um, that says sham trial, meatball surgery, no human rights, Paul's life matters, decisive action from POTUS and PMs needed, happy birthday, Flora. And he held that sign up in, in a glass box in Russian prison, uh, well, in a Russian courtroom. How did he even get those that sign in? This, I yeah, yeah. I, maybe they let him bring it in. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, um, like, he held it up. The photo of him holding it up, which is brought to you by Getty Images, um, is pretty brutal. I'll I'll share it along with the Instagram yeah, yeah, yeah. post for this episode. But here, I just sent it to you, Monty. Yeah. That's the raw photo of him in Russian prison. Oh man, it's it's a terrifying picture, um, or at least a very intimidating one. Uh, and that was when he was being sentenced in court. Um, he he gave he apparently wore or was asked to wear that exact same outfit to every single trial he made in public. Yeah, it's and it's a it's a very strange 
um in, instance and like it was like a really flat and abrupt end to a spy trial mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. that had like it, most of them had taken place in closed hearings um and they uh, some people believe that the covid-19 lockdown um in moscow at the time was used as a way of hiding the proceedings and not letting anyone in any press or public into the buildings when the final verdicts were being delivered I can see that. I can see. I, that. I can see that, but it's very convenient. <laughs> it is. Um, and it there's is. a there's a great quote from from Paul saying that uh, Russians believe they captured Mister uh, James Bond, but he feels like he's just Mister Bean. Yeah, like he's he was framed in that situation. Yeah, he's a no. He thinks he's just a nobody. He's, a nobody. he's just some guy yeah. who yeah. was like there to visit a friend's wedding. Um, and there's there's some complex history on it done by the bbc and some of the free news medias and we're gonna bring you his full story um another time because i i think what is an even grander story to talk about and more interesting uh, which is some research i really need need to do is looking at who we have Mm. what high level russians do we have in in current prisons you know we have individuals like alexander vidnik um like uh roman selesnev these these russian and and other area people um who we are holding in like you know as political prisoners you know for lack of a better term and russia is also holding several u.s citizens and other citizens under the same guise and for the same reason i mean it's just a part of politics but i think there's a very interesting story to look at who these people are and where where they are where they are in prison because there's a very interesting aspect to the United States was our supermax prisons, you know, like our super yeah. high security isolationist prisons. And usually the people who are in the most sensitive and controlled blocks of those prisons are political prisoners, are prisoners that pose a benefit to us to keep in, in prison. Um, yeah. Up until recently, Victor Bout was in one of the highest security prisons in the entire country. Um, before being released in exchange for uh, Brittany Griner. So yeah. that's that that's my current obsession. My current deep dive is into the story of this, in, of this individual. Um and well I'll once I have to dive <laughs> deeper and I can have a more full image of what's going on because each time I peel back a layer of the onion of this man's story, there's more and more that needs to be talked about. I mean Going across this, I came across some of the most interesting, like Russian cyber espionage groups, um, and how they relate to the story. So we'll we'll bring it back. But yeah, I know, like political crime is definitely you can go down a rabbit hole. And I, I almost, to some degree, feel genuinely like scared to talk about it. You know, like I know I don't. Well, you need just to be. starting to talk. About I know, like, like in the back of my head, though, I'm like, dude, someone's gonna listen to this podcast. Someone's gonna be a little upset. Uh, I don't know what to do. My my crime is not that crazy, but it is something that is still going on. It's still. This happened very recently, and 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 again, shout out to Asian Madness podcast is where I actually first heard about it. I was just like, oh my god, how did I miss this? This is this is crazy, because uh, it's been a while since a crime at to this level has happened in 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 Hong Kong, and I found it very fascinating, and also at the same time very sad. Um, mm. My wife also found the this story because she's an avid, uh, uh, I guess, audience on YouTube for with uh, Rotten Mango. So another shout okay. out to them. Um, they they do a lot of crime stories about that, and and they also talked about it. So this started to blow up right. Like I think I heard about it like this past weekend, and I oh. and it, it's been going on since February of oh, wow. uh, 24th okay. so this the crime story that i'd like to share with everyone is the murder of abby Choi, okay. and um she's an influencer um a model right model um very very from what i read and heard a very very kind person okay. um she uh is born from a wealth of um uh, 
wealthy family, but she's always been kind. She's always been there to help anyone in need. Mm-hmm. Um, so the story is that it started when she was reported missing on February 21st because uh, by her husband because she was she did not uh pick up her kids from school which she oh. was supposed to uh and and i think you know three days later they started to uh they discovered that she was murdered and you know here's a discretion coming out uh, before i go any further is that they found her um headless body Jesus in the suburb of Hong Kong. Like uh, just like out in like the woods. Yeah. And then, um, so the story is very interesting. So she's married. Yes. Uh, at okay. the, when she was alive and until up till like February 21st, she was married. She has two kids with her new husband, but she was married. She was in a previous marriage. So oh, okay. with a ex-husband, also with two kids and um, bringing it back to the mar- before she was discovered. Um, she, her driver was her ex-husband's brother. So like, you know, like if you watch enough crime, you, you know, your first suspects are people that yeah, are close family. around you. Family. Yeah. Husband, family, children, yeah, whatever. Motive. Yes. And so they were able to later track it down and they, um, last I read, um, there was they found six suspects and still Holy going. Um, and uh, today, I think, or fairly recently, it went on to suspect seven, number seven now. So they have seven now in custody. So what happened was uh, how they busted these guys was they discovered that when the, when the police went to the in-laws house they found a fridge full of her other body parts what the fuck yeah and and at this time of so it's pretty you know, locked in then who, i mean oh like, yeah yeah they found her they they found her head in in uh in a pot of soup <laughs> they were like cooking full, full ted bundy style oh yeah i mean and, i mean yeah and like john wayne gacy and all those crazy motherfuckers oh yeah like it's 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 crazy so her former husband is charged with murder his name is alex kwan uh his uh father-in-law uh is, his name is kwan Kao, um okay. former police uh, inspector oh. but also had a very tainted past he had uh he was i think accused of sexual misconduct or something like that like re- oh, something yeah. going on there yeah something bad um his brother-in-law the driver uh alex Kwan, uh sorry anthony Kwan was arrested uh so apparently all his in-laws were involved in it in uh in, in this case and her ex-husband was arrested uh, attempting to flee on a boat to China. What the fuck? Yeah, so they they were lucky enough to catch him before he left. But so like, uh, it's like some like, kind of like grand effort from all yeah. the family members. I think yeah, it just I think I I may be wrong, um, but I think someone in his family said something uh, and ma- they managed oh. to catch wind of it and get to the the harbor to arrest him and, and managed to catch him in time. Holy so he's shit. he's well, not in custody now. Yeah, and so the last I heard, and by the time this podcast comes out, maybe there's more stories, but mind you, this is a continuing investigation. They're still looking for her torso. So, yeah, there's the body parts are just all over the place. The crime scene, what I heard was that, uh, last I heard about it was, so she was to be, uh, she was driven to, you know, she was supposed to go, Go out, do some, mm-hmm. run some errands, do her chores, but she, uh, and then pick up her kid from school on her okay. way back. But she never went, made it to the school to pick up the kids, so family started to get worried. Mm-hmm. Um, they later, the hindsight was she was taken to a warehouse or or, or, a, or a facility, and she was bludgeoned to death. So. 
they they in this, they were able to identify this was when they were uh, when they located her head in how they identified the the head in the soup was her yeah. was because DNA because <laughs> unfortunately no matter how you cook a head you cannot destroy hair which is oh you know, DNA yeah, you have right to, like, there you have to, like melt it yeah right? exactly and they also found that on the back of her skull there was a large uh, you know uh, fracture in like kind of like over oh. the head um f- they later found the murder site which contained a, f- a few saws electric saws the whole oh, place was shit. like a dexter's uh dexter yeah. the tv show dexter uh, dream like everything was fast uh you know like covered in plastic there, yeah you know, it was like they everything. watched the, it's like it was like they all watched the tv show so Exactly. Yeah, it's like clearly planned out. And they all think that it's because of the father's years of experience as a police officer that he kind of oh, knew what to do. There's a way around to do this. And this, what stemmed, what led to this murder was so, you remember how I told you she was a super nice person, over, over generous person? He, oh. She was still, oh, even though she was divorced from her ex husband, she was still, um, uh taking care of them oh really like yeah providing like, financial she support had, for them yeah and, and not only just financial even residents because they stayed at one of her condos in a very uh expensive part of hong kong like it's it's like a very big property and what she was saying to them was hey you know guys i you know this is still my property but i'm still rest assured that i'm still going to take care of you guys uh, because I'm, you know, because of the generosity of, of Abby Choi, yes, yeah, and she, so she says that I plan on selling this property to buy a new property at a different part of Hong Kong, and um, don't worry, you guys are welcome to continue to live at the new property. Oh, okay, yeah, like, like if someone she, says she's that super to you, genuous and kind thing, yeah, yeah, exactly, like that's like super nice and but for some odd reason the in-laws the ex i should say ex-in-laws just took it the wrong way and took it as like an insult i don't know if it's an insult or or something it it, something did not sit well with them and they all this you know orchestrated this murder to have her killed holy shit yeah and it's just like really bizarre and that's so wild it was like this whole collaborative effort between both like I, yeah it's so strange that's like yeah. what there must have been something else or some kind of like intrinsic motivation for these people to like you know betray the person in their life that was probably the most generous person they had you know it was like probably to some degree like a big part of the reason why they were experiencing you know the comforts of life that they had access to yeah it's it it's kind of like you know like the the word i would say is like overprivileged because yeah. technically if you know like here in, in in north america you know you if you divorce you you're like so long see ya everything's divided oh, everyone yeah. moves on if, if you want to remain friends you can still remain friends but you know like everything moves on right like you yeah. just go your separate way but she was she still had them she, although she moved out she still let them stay there and and you know like without any disagreements or anything and and she um obviously i think also partially like she's she's gone above and beyond to to help take care of her ex-husband and their family even and yeah. and they also have two kids together too right so obviously yeah, so it's like a, a lot generous thing to do and she's from a wealthy family right so mm-hmm. this is just like yeah it's just like what the heck right well why would you do something like this? So and, and, and yeah, yeah, there's only more information up. that's going to come out over time, which makes it even hopefully more fascinating. Hopefully we get, yeah. like, I hope and we get like a big trial where we get to hear. Yeah. It, and this news started, it started to go out. It's like, you can, uh, you can watch it on your local news. It's like, this is like a huge issue. And it's because it's done in such a brutal, brutal, brutal way. Yeah. It's just like, it, it started to, you know, re, I don't want to say ignite, but it started to bring up, like I was telling you about these, the, the 
most heinous crimes that happen in Asia, like yeah. the Hello Kitty case, murder case and stuff. It's just like, you know, reinvigorating that memory. Exactly. In, into the people of, of Hong Kong. Right. It's just, this is just ridiculously. And yeah, it's, I, I was very upset when I heard about it because yeah, yeah, for someone this nice, like, it's like, I get it. If there's like a conflict, if, like, no, like, don't get me wrong. I don't think murdering someone. There's no justification. There's no justification to murder someone. But the thing is that, how do you come to that? Like, it doesn't even seem like a crime of passion. It just seems like some like calculated, like disgusting, premeditated murder. It's like a revenge murder. Yeah, revenge delivered by an entire family to one generous person. But who knows? There could be some grander mystery behind. You know, like, I don't think there's anything that's going to justify their actions, but, like, there might be a grander reason that they have. You know, who's, we don't know yet, potentially. Yeah, yeah. We might not never know because they killed her. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, But, yeah, this is, like, um, still going on. I don't think they found her torso as of yet, but... Um, yeah, they're, uh, because Hong Kong has removed their death penalty... Mm-hmm. Um, oh. So there's a lot of cry from the people and her supporters, obviously, in, in, in Hong Kong that are trying to, you know, make sure that they get the mandatory sentencing of life imprisonment. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's like, Let's hope. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> well, well, if you go through the suspect list, it's like really ridiculous, too. Yeah, that's crazy. That I that that's an, that's a great case. Thank you for bringing that case to us today, Monty. Yeah. Um, for those out there who want to dive in more, have their own favorite stories, please send them to us over on Instagram, um, either directly to me at Doctor Go Wizard at Fourth Times the Charm Official. Um, you could send true crime to my eyes, my belly as well. Um, let us know your favorite stories, and we'll share them on the podcast in the future. Now, and remember, if you are going to try to kill and eat your own family member. The first time you might fuck up and then they catch, they get the hair and, and you get screwed. And the second okay, time not, you successfully not, cook them We're, we're into not instructing food, them with but this. But it doesn't we? work. No, we don't actually do any of this. If you do this, you're a sick yeah. psychopath. We encourage no murder or violence. But if you try a third time and you're still unsuccessful, maybe the fourth time it will be the charm because you'll hide all the DNA. You'll hide all the evidence and it'll be a wonderful time. <laughs> That's it for us this week. This was some Triple M. I hope you're doing well. Forever with the underground. Keep up your support and follow us on Instagram. Talk to you all later.